Hi, and welcome back to C Myers Live. My name is Brian McHenry, and I'm a principal of C Myers Corporation. And for today's podcast, I have Sally and Rob, who are also principals at C Myers Corporation. And one of the things that we've been finding is, yeah, as we're working with clients and thinking about different things going on in the environment and impacting the industry, we've been having a lot of different conversations about different topics. And we were just finding there was never enough time because as we were talking about one topic, it would lead us into, oh, well, have, what about this? And what are your thoughts on what's going on in this particular area of the environment or the industry or, or with financial institutions? So we thought it would be great for actually the three of us to get together, create some time where we can really just roll, basically, bring up what's on our mind and talk about why that's important, how that connects to so many different things going on. And then we thought, why not record this and just share so that others can hear what are we thinking about? Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list. We did not want to record an eight-hour podcast. We didn't think anybody <laughs> would listen to that. So we will be keeping it on the shorter side. So again, we may move off of topics quicker than you might think. This is just, again, us talking through how are we going to move through these different topics as we're talking about them and thinking and asking questions of each other. So with that, Sally, I know you've had a lot of things on your mind. I figured, why don't you kick us off? What, what are you thinking about most right now? Okay. And as I do that, please feel free to interrupt because I can talk for a long time. And, and there's so many things that are going on. Like Brian said, one of the things that I Sally, am, I've worked with you for 30 years. I never knew you could talk about these topics <laughs> yeah, out right. long. So anyway. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. Yes. laughs> Learning something new every day. <laughs> that's right. Yes, I am. I can, I can talk and talk and I can ask a lot of questions too. Oh, yeah. One of the things I am really excited about is the intensity with which CEOs are going after taking their teams to the next level. And what we hear, and we've said this in past podcasts, but it's so true. They're saying the world is, is so complex and it's moving so fast. And I feel like I can't come up for air, Get we're falling behind. And we need to really focus on developing our ability individually and as a team to truly think critically about opportunities out there facing us and, and address those well enough in advance to, again, not fall behind. And then obviously think critically about solving problems because problems come up every single day. And it's not only at the strategic team level and the individuals of the strategic team, but it's also building that critical thinking capacity throughout the organization at the various levels. And I want to say one thing and then I'll, I'll pass it off to something else on the, on the critical thinking. Will everybody be an excellent critical thinker? No, we're not all built that way to be excellent critical thinkers, but can everybody improve their ability to think critically? And the answer is yes. And if you get a little improvement throughout the organization, you'll be much better off. And, and CEOs are recognizing that. Well, and I, I think what is really cool about so much you're talking about is, yeah, you're seeing that focus on the individuals and how they can grow and you need them to grow with that speed of change that you're talking about. But how places are starting to get more deliberate about looking at the whole team and finding, well, where are our weaknesses as a team? Do we need to get more 
business intelligence capabilities? Do we need to get more broader thinking? How are we working together as a whole group and just turning that into a strength for the organization? So you feel that talent pressure, but also that team pressure. But you find that those who are really deliberate about how they structure that and then forecast out what are we going to need for our strategy in the future? Hey, here are some elements of our team right now, but in the future as we're looking forward to it, what do we need to invest in for our team to get better at so we can deliver on those future needs? And that's an exciting look for people. Well, and then yeah, Rob, and- I want to add, oh, Brian, go ahead. I'll make a note so it doesn't fall out of my head, but go ahead. <laughs> yes, and here's here as we go through this, this is going to, I'm going to forecast happen more than just now, or we're going to try and talk at the oh, same yeah. time. So one of the things, you know, Rob, as you say that, and Sally, you know, connecting with what you said on sort of that internal focus and looking at, you know, where, where do we need our people to be? Where are we, as we look at the talent and the long-term future that we're going on, one of the questions that I think is really interesting that as I've been working with places, I've asked them more is how are they making their areas more resilient? So that idea of not just what are the gaps in terms of business intelligence, but also from a people perspective, where do they have points where they're like, we are really over-reliant in this particular area or on this one particular person. So really diving into that question. And that also gets into then this idea of, which I imagine comes a little bit with critical thinking, but what does being strategic mean? Everyone can be strategic. Not everybody needs to be thinking about the five to 10 year horizon. Being strategic is also stepping back and just looking at saying, How do I strategically approach the opportunities and challenges within my area of purview, which again also links with how do I make my department more resilient or how do I approach getting these things done in a strategic manner? And and connecting to those other areas. And and I do think is that I don't want to lose side of that part you just said. We're working really well in an area because we have one person who's amazing at it. That's called an exposure. That's a great that you have that, you know, great thing. That person is so good at this area and driving it, but we need to have depth. We know that events happen. So how do we then take that individual and build even more around it instead of using it as an excuse not to strengthen around that area? And we're talking people, we're talking talent. I want to circle back. You both mentioned business intelligence and you mentioned it with respect to people. And that's really important because the businesses that are taking the business intelligence approach to, in the end, people are going to take the data and turn it into some kind of business intelligence is absolutely critical. So that means that you, when if you're launching, getting much better at business intelligence, you can't always just focus on the technology and the system uh, and getting all the data in one spot without regard to how do we actually take it and turn it into actionable insight, actionable decision information. And that's another thing too, I'm hearing more and more from uh, CEOs too, is like, gosh, we're, you know, we all kind of have the same access to roughly the same technology. So in the end, how we decide to leverage that technology is a thinking and a people activity, a team decision. Couldn't agree more. It is not the technology that's going to move it forward. It's how we're using that information, how we are thinking. And I think sometimes we see some places saying, 
look, once I get this new data, you know, lake going, and then once I add the machine learning, then I'm going to get the artificial intelligence to tell us what to do. And the reality is that reminder, those can be powerful tools, but it's going to be still very narrow on what it can do versus the thinking and the right questions from your team and actually actually doing more to leverage what you already have. And the cost of that is also nicer too. Is yeah. having your talent bring yeah. along versus waiting for the future. There's no time to wait for that technology to start thinking deeper and more critically about these issues. Yeah. And also then that leads to, and Brian, you were working with several clients recently about the prioritization and kids in the candy store syndrome. And how do you really prioritize from a strategic impact perspective, a high impact perspective? Can you share some of the things going on in that regard? Yeah, there, there's a lot of questions in this. Some of this is just coming back to as they prioritize, how are they continuing to connect back to their strategy to say, what's going to give us the biggest strategic lift? How will our strategy fail if we don't do these things? And then making sure they're having the appropriate conversations with their talent to get that done. The other piece is kind of this leads into is as they're looking at prioritizing and the strategy to help them filter what they're going to do and what they're not going to do is really looking at it. What business model are they building? over the next five years. And what's that going to do to help them move to the 10 year horizon? And this starts to get into what I'll say, one of the things that I've been thinking about, you know, on this prioritization, but then business model question is how are consumers changing their desires and how are other businesses changing their approach to banking? And one of the, the big things out there, it's been around for a little bit and it seems to be taking off more is banking as a service. And there's a whole host of questions and opportunities and considerations when it comes to that because it it can be a way to help with market expansion mm -hmm. to acquire new members. And it's a change in thinking of who is your target market. In the banking as a service model, it starts to shift a little more to it might be more of the businesses. And I don't mean businesses to make loans for, not like commercial lending or deposits, more like how do I create a value proposition where a business would want to use me with my banking know-how to provide financial services and not even potentially know that I'm really the, the financial institution? They think they're banking with whatever commercial enterprise or brand, better way to put it, whatever brand that they're interacting with. The big example of this, of course, is, is Apple Card, but they are not by any means alone. Walmart's doing this. TurboTax is doing this. There's a host of other places that are getting more and more into this space. Yeah. So taking the technology and being able to have new ways of leveraging that technology to build the scale, it, that's an example of the banking as a service. And also depository institutions, it's so interesting to me in that so many depository institutions do a lot of the things already that the fintechs do. They just don't market it the way that resonates with the consumer. Yeah, just, and and, and I, I think it's not just that marketing, it's that extra touch of engagement creation or fun or experience that those others are bringing to the table. A lot of times the fintech is just taking what they're already doing, you know, that the financial institutions are doing and saying, well, I'll just make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more engaging have it this way in this app and those are things that we need to be looking at and thinking about from the perspective of 
Well, how do we make sure we're giving enough energy to ideas and different ways of doing what we're already doing, the marketing side, as you said, but also just that overall experience? Because yeah. look at the volumes that are being created just because of that experience. So are you going to be great at experience or are you going to be a great back office and maybe as a business as a service really efficient or or what are you going to do that's going to create that next step for the future to carry that along to another big huge frustration or a big huge frustration for the c-suite team is the reliance on third parties to get things done the way they want them done when they want them done and so how more and more they're thinking about how can I take this unrewarding experience at best, and that's putting it lightly, and turn it into a competitive advantage? Yes, I'll, I'll jump, I just want to jump in on sure. that, Sally, because sure. some of the places I'm working with, not it's a competitive advantage, a core competency. Because part of this is there, there's sometimes like a shiny new object type approach to, well, we need to do this thing. And the approach is let's go find the tool versus what's the outcome that we're looking for. And then using actually using that as part of your filter and your vendor management process. What's the outcome? What, what do we want to be doing for our members and for our employees? Because there's also the internal efficiencies and experience as well. And then what's the way in which we can get that done? Is it with our current set of vendors? Are they not living up to SLAs? Have they rolled out integrations or updates that maybe we're not doing? And if that's not the case, then going out external or doing both to learn what's possible out there. But it's the it's taking it to the more strategic level and saying things we need to in, in a not so articulate way. Things have to talk to other things and we have to be able to get done what we need to get done with the things we have right now or bring it in. That's a different mind. And things is, of course, you know, you could say that's um, industry jargon, but, you know, things covers a lot. But. <laughs> It's, you know, they, they need you. This is understanding how things connect and making sure they work together and they're delivering is so, so critical. And it's not just, well, are we, let's look at the contract. When do we renew? Yeah, yeah that's important. That's the tactic, the strategy in this, the competency in this, as you were saying, Sally, the competitive advantage is we manage that part. Effortless, effortless, effort. Oh, let me try that again. Well, a lot of effort is being effortlessly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's harder effortless. to it's make it effortless. Than you think. Effort. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Brian, um, the things that have to talk to each other, it better be absolutely invisible to the consumer because consumers, as we've talked about before, they're thinking in nanoseconds, milliseconds, seconds, maybe minutes. And so it has to be invisible. And it's so simple, but often forgotten as things are being launched and rolled out and what are the desired outcomes, forgetting to look at it from the consumer perspective. And that's a simple fix. And you, you know, what's interesting is sometimes you see so many things done just because, well, that's what we have to do to keep up versus, have you actually created something that the consumer is going to be so excited about that they're going to pay more for it, that they're going to demand more of it, where they're saying of what you're doing, I can't believe others don't do this. This is fantastic. So if your goal is to be in front of them and increase that engagement, but the things you're working on aren't creating that kind of excitement, if you're not walking into a meeting 
talking about what you're doing and having to over talk each other almost because the excitement and the energy in the room of what you're doing and working towards creating is so good, then you need to keep rethinking it well, because and, that's what we need to do. Yeah. And and you bring up a great point. You know, the, are we keeping up or do we have the opportunity to leapfrog? So what's the strategic question there? <laughs> Yeah. And thinking out into the future, and if you're spending this, which could be the right thing to do, but if you're spending the the time, energy, and brain power just to keep up, but you're you're thinking, oh my gosh, things are going to change so fast, consider leapfrogging. You may not leapfrog, but at least you've thought about the possibilities of doing it and what could be the potential opportunities or benefits. And with the limitation of resources, we understand that. Maybe pick the one area you're going yeah. to leapfrog. Hey, for right now, we're going to leapfrog in this area, this segment of what we do. We are going to jump ahead, see what we learn from that, see that it gets attraction that we think it will. And then you can decide to take those learnings into other areas. But sometimes people wait till they can leapfrog everything and then they're back to running behind and chasing everyone else again. Yeah. Yeah. So. One of the things I want to circle back to, Sally, what you said about the changing of the strategic question. If you're going to leapfrog versus try and keep up, that is a really good thing to think about. Also expanding it out, because as you're trying to leapfrog, what question do your customers and your consumers have that they're trying to accomplish? What thing are they trying to do? And thinking of it from that perspective versus we want to roll out this service or this product, what what is that service or product actually going to do for the consumer? What are they trying to accomplish? So I just want to pay for something. I, I want to transfer money to you, Sally. I know I have eight different ways that I could do it, but I'm, I might be a little confused. So as you're trying to set up the technology and the process and the way in which you want to serve your, your customer or the consumer, answering it from their perspective and letting go of what you know about for all that it takes in order to accomplish that. And that can be really helpful in terms of deciding, uh, I'll say deciding and how you might approach the leapfrog versus the keep up style question or strategic question. Yeah, and, and then just a little bit add to that too is what's the device or the, the channel that the consumer is going to use and the, and the devices keep getting smaller and smaller um, and, until maybe it's all voice activated. And so yes. how does that influence the, we've talked about before, you know, the rings of fire that you're going to make the consumer jump through when your, your competitors outside of the typical financial services industry are not having the consumer jump through those rings of fire? Yes, I want to jump on that particular ring of fire because I think that's really critical on the question and what you're saying. So the devices are changing. There's also that idea as you're trying to think about leapfrogging is where are you integrating financial services into the consumer's daily life? Where, and, and this is a question, where do you want to do that? Where do you want them to have to think about you? And where do you want them to not have to think about you in order to just accomplish their daily financial needs? Now, there may be some occasions where you say, no, they, they need to think about us. But in other occasions, go back to the leapfrog in this example, no, I want to bring this service to them where it feels just seamless in how they do their daily activities. There's no, there's no sort of, oh, I have to seek out my financial institution to go do this thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you can get resistance to the idea at first of why would I have anything that I don't want them to think about me on? 
Well, really, ideally, you do it so well that the thinking about you happens later where they're like, they always just take care of me. That just happened. I didn't have to think about them. Mm -hmm. So turning that into that automatic positive experience. But what's interesting on all these things is you can't make any of this happen without the right kind of execution and that implementation of the strategy. And so what is it that, you know, I, I, I see plenty on this front, but I, I know you guys too do too. So what are you seeing on the implementation? What are some of the main things that people need to be thinking about to help with that execution? Well, one of the biggest shifts I have seen in CEOs is, is strategic focus. They are, they are tired of having all of these things to accomplish. And so we're seeing them get laser focused on the high impact initiatives. And there's a process. If, we, if we're not going to deliver on a high impact initiative, we better have a really good reason. And if something else is trying to come in between that. So you're saying that listing the 40 tiny little things that no one noticed doing that kept you busy isn't a good reason? Well, it's it's also, yes. And it's also uh, shifting the thinking of the people that are doing things in the organization. Because a lot of times people feel successful when they're like, I got it done. I got it done. I got it done. Um, so. Sometimes it, it's the focus is on, well, I'll just do this thing really fast. This thing's not going to take very long, so I'll do it. And a lot of the strategic initiatives that are going to move the business forward are more complex. They require more advanced thinking. And so it, that's harder work. So, so people tend to put that off. And CEOs are saying, no more. No more. We have got to jump on this and get great at that type of execution. And it takes that extra planning and communication throughout, knowing how you're going to be educating over time. And it's not just a one and done on that. And just continuing to help motivate that positive experience as to here's what we're driving towards. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're going to be accomplishing and having people so excited about that they can't picture anything but getting that done. Well, and, yeah, and I just so the, want to, oh, go ahead, Brian, go ahead. Just gonna say, <laughs> yeah, the, so the, there's the commitment, the timing, constantly explaining the why, constantly remembering the why, and then being relentless about making sure that it's done and sticking to the scope. Because as you said, Sally, some of these are really complex and it's easy to start adding things in. And so making sure you're really clear about what's in scope and what's not in scope. And maybe that's a phase two as an example, but making sure you stick to that, that relentless commitment to making sure it's done. And then Rob, you said something which I'm also seeing is really important. You talked about it's not a one and done. So there's a timing question in this. How are you linking? What is your process? Is your strategy and your execution, is it an event or is it, an, is it a process? And are there ongoing conversations at both levels of the strategic vision and the strategic execution throughout the year? Or is it something that you do once a year and then you sort of move on? And that links with the execution too, because oh. as you, you might do a process throughout the year, but you have you know days dedicated to strategic thinking. How are you scheduling then to make sure you take the thinking and link it as fast as as reasonably possible to then what are we going to do in the impl implementation piece? And we're seeing that type of scheduling and timing happen more and then the commitment to keep talking and thinking throughout the year rather than just and making it a process rather than just some events throughout the year where we step back and think about our business yeah so ceos are saying we have to get more done 
faster and we have to do it really well. And, and there, there too is another conversation because uh, they are ha uh, having conversations about what do we really have to hit a home run on? What can we be excellent on? What can we be great on? What can we be good at? All of those things to help the, the, the people who are doing the work understand the importance of the strategic initiatives. Yeah, because really what we see is it doesn't mean that you're then saying you have to just work that many more hours. Right. It's mm -hmm. not what they're looking for. It's just let's the more we work on the right things, then we can have the same hours, but get so much more done because we're getting rid of some of that busyness. Well, and then people will feel better because people are tired. They're, you know, they're. They, we had the COVID and the world just keeps moving faster and faster and people are tired. And so it, it's also exciting. We see this in organizations where, Rob, you mentioned it earlier. If you're working on exciting stuff and you're working really hard and you're running your marathon every day at a sprint pace, but if you're moving the organization forward, that's just a different level of energy versus that's I can barely keep my nose above water. Yeah. And, and then, oh, Brian, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, as we said in the beginning, I'm just going to point out, you might be seeing why now we don't have enough time, enough time for us as we get through, get together and start thinking and talking. And so we did say we wouldn't record an eight hour podcast. We're not near eight hours. And I'm wondering, what are some of the parting thoughts here? Like, what are some of the things we've talked about a lot of things, you know, in this last roughly 30 ish minutes, what would you say, what are connections or things you would, you would want to leave someone with at this point? What I would say is that in the end, we are all in the people business. Thinking will never, ever go out of style. And strategic thinking and critical thinking and the ability to take that and move into action is a huge key to success. And very excited to see the intensity with which CEOs are going after that to turn truly that into a competitive advantage. Yeah, I'll say for for me on a wrap up is it's our first time getting to record one of these together. And it just I have so many more things that I want to cover because there's so much happening out there. And hopefully, you know, Sally talked about how people are feeling tired. Hopefully, though, you can also turn that into excitement and energy of but there are a lot of new things to be able to do and i'm looking forward to getting to talk through more items in the future because there there's a lot of opportunity out there in the industry with the right kind of focus so stay focused on those opportunities and you can make them happen when you're really calling it out to the team how about right. you brian yeah it, for me it's the how fun this can be and yes, I agree, people can be tired. And this can be so much fun as you get to think about what is possible out there and then making sure that you're actually getting it done too. So both are so important. And Sally, I wholeheartedly agree with you. You need the strategy, you need the execution, and then you're in the people business. And mm -hmm. making sure that you have the appropriate levels of focus on the people to make the strategy and the execution happen. And then, ha and then I'll go back to having fun while you're doing it i know there can be stress out there i know there's been a lot of pressure in the last year that is all makes sense it's very fair and with all the opportunity and the changes out there there's a, there's a chance 
to enjoy it while it's happening. Think hard, work hard, and enjoy the opportunities to help consumers and customers when it comes to how they go about their banking lives. Yeah. So with that, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thank you.